All right. So tonight I want to go into a little bit in, a, a little bit in depth, a very interesting sugya which is brought up in our Gemara. It's a sugya about what uh, is colloquially called rabbi shopping. Rabbi shopping means not when rabbis go go shopping, but um, when somebody goes to one rabbi and asks him a shaila, and they got a psak that they didn't agree with or didn't like or wasn't convenient, so they go find themselves a different rabbi and they ask them the shaila. Now, it's a very, very, very dangerous thing to do. It's a very complicated thing to do. So let's go into the Gemara to understand what's involved in doing so. The Gemara on Zion and Maraf and Abba Dazar, what we're up to, starts, Tadarabana. If somebody asked a shayla to a chacham and the chacham said it was tameh, he should not ask another chacham and, and that other chacham will make it tar. So over here it seems that the prohibition is on, is, is on the person asking, that the person asking should not go ask somebody else. The Gemara in Chulin, when the Gemara in Chulin brings this halacha, the Gemara in Chulin phrases it, phrases it a little bit differently. The Gemara says, if you ask a Rav, Hanisha L'chacham V'tihar, or 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 V'aser, that another Rabbi, it says, Enoi Rashai L'hatir. Enoi Rashai L'asar. They're not allowed to. They're not able to. So the Gemara in Chulin makes it sound, it's not simply... Um, a prohibition on the one asking, but it's a prohibition also on the second rabbi that they are not allowed a paskin, that they are not that they are not allowed a paskin differently than what the first rabbi said, and we'll get into the reasons why. So the Gemara continues. Okay, so now the Gemara is to get into a different case where let's say it wasn't one after the other, but you had two rabbis sitting together, or one knew about the other. One said it was Tami, one said it was Tahar, one said it was Asr, one said it was Mutter. If one of them was greater than their friend in wisdom or minion, minion means number. Now, there's a question, and we're going to talk about this probably next week when we go into this part of the Gemara, about how to deal in the situation of Machlokas, but there's a there's a question of what does minion mean? Does does minion mean the amount? There are some opinions it means the amount of rabbis he had. There are some opinions that mean the amount of students that he had. There are some opinions that means the amount of people on the bezd in which he sits. There are different views of what it means minion. But someone who's greater than that age, person, yeah, not age. None so, of them. so I, I I haven't seen age, but but it's possible there is an approach age. We could uh, I'll try to dig into it for for next week. Actually, actually, he's asking a very good question because Yosef's brothers were like double his age, and uh, I learned today that you know Yosef is described as a nar, and like yeah. you just said, to his father because if it came if rebuke came from him, it wouldn't register. They wouldn't. They wouldn't they listen. You know, right. shut up, kid. Go away. You bother me. You know, right, right, right. So, right. so he's saying the, the the idea of being greater in age is important. Yeah, that, that that's a good point. So, but we're going to see if age is if 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 minion means age next week. But so the halacha is that now now over here there's also a bigger question about who gets to decide who is gadol, meaning 
right? If you say that that one person is gadol v'chachma, right? Is that something which you decide, right? Which which it's hard for you to decide because you don't know anything, or is it or is it referring to somebody who is accepted by the generation or by your community as being greater? So these are all very difficult questions. That we're going to get into them next week. So the Gemara, so, so the Gemara continues. So what happens if you have a machlokas? So if you have this person who's bigger, you can go with them. However, however, the Gemara says, um, you should always go after the one who's more stringent. Rabbi Shua ben Karcha Omer, so Rabbi Shua ben Karcha comes and he says, But if you have a Suffolk and Din on a Dairaisa, you go with the Machmir. Now we're going to see. This doesn't mean that if you have 150 Paiskim who are Mat or something, and you have some guy somewhere who's Machmir, that's called a Suffolk. So we're going to see that, that that's not true. So a Suffolk means where you have two accepted Paiskim who are, who one is being Machmir, one is being Makal, and you don't have a set Mesorah had a Paskin. So, for example, there are, in, and we're going to get into this next week more, but there is a Mesorah Sapsak, there's a Mahalach Sapsak that rabbis have to learn, uh, especially if they're, if they consider themselves part of specific communities. So, for example, before I started Paskining, I went to go talk to my Rosh Hashiva, Rosh to ask him, what do we do if there's, you know, different machlokasim between the Mishnabura and the Chayadam and the Arach HaShulchan and and Rav Shmuel Kamenetsky told me, you know, a whole list of rules that you that, that we go with the Chayadam over the Mishnabura, we go with the Chayadam over the Arach HaShulchan, uh, Rabbanim and Shul should go with the Arach HaShulchan over the Mishnabura. And, and so there's all sorts of accepted Mesorahs. But we're talking about a case where there really is no accepted Mesorah or you are trying to paskin for yourself and you looked up and looked up Shmir Shabbos Kilchasam, and you looked up um, whatever, one of the other Shabbos farm, and you see a Machlaikit, and you want to know what to do, and they're both accepted Paiskim. So the Allah is that by a Isser de Raisa, Yohelech Akar HaMachmer, by Isser de Rabbanon, Yohelech Akar HaMekel. So the Gemara says, We shall say, Yohelech Akar HaMekel, Amir Rabbi Yosef, Hilchotzak, Rabbi Shul Ben Karpa. This is the Allah. Rashi over here says, that um, there is no Rashi, sorry. So Taisa so, 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 is going on the very first question. The very first question, the very first part of the Brisa is that if you ask one Rav, you're not allowed to ask another Rav afterwards. So before we get into Taisa, let's just dissect the statement a little bit. Why not? Why, if you ask one Rav, can't you ask another Rav? The second question is, what about the Rav himself? If the Rav himself paskins something, and then he had second thoughts. He went, he looked at the sugi again. He relearned it. Is the Rav himself allowed to change his mind? The second question is, sorry, the third question is, what if the next rabbi went and was Matir? You had one Rav who said it was Aser. You had another Rav who said it was Mutter. And now you have this piece of steak that something happened to it, some milk spilled, whatever, Yeramachlokas. And one Rav said it was Mutter, one Rav said it was Aser, and and the first Rav said it was Aser, the second Rav said it was Mutter, and now you have guests coming and people coming, and you want to know, are you allowed to serve this to your, to your guests? And 
are you allowed, meaning maybe it's only a problem for you, but what about serving it to other people? And the final question, which we're going to dig into tonight, is what about, what if the same question comes up next week? So I don't know, you know, I think probably most other people's homes are much more organized than mine, but Arab Shabbos, we very often run into all the same Shilas all the time because of all the chaos in the kitchen. So what if you got a psak one Friday on your chicken soup that you by mistake were drinking your coffee next to your chicken soup and one of your kids hit you in the back with a, with a soccer ball that they were playing inside the house and some amount of coffee fell fell into the chicken soup and you don't know how much, right? True story. <laughs> um, um, well, not, uh, it didn't happen to me, but it did happen to somebody I know. So, so what happens in such a case if it happens to you when and you called your Rav and you made a mistake and you called the Rav who just finished learning um, Hilkas Shabbos and sorry, just finished learning Hilkas Basrachalov. I'm sorry, the opposite. You learned Hilkas Basrachalov a very, very long time ago and he said it was awesome. And then you went and you called a different Rav who just finished learning Hilkas Basrachalov. So he's much more makel on Basrachalov. That's a trend, by the way. When people finish learning Hilkas Basrachalov, they tend to be very makel. When people finish learning Hilkas Shabbos, they tend to be very machmer. There's lots of discussion why that is. But Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky famously said that he would eat in the home of any uh, from Jew in Klai Yisrael except for the home of the guy who just finished learning Hilkas Basar B'chal of Tarubis. Um, so, so either way, so you, then you call this Rav and he's Mekel, right? So it doesn't make a difference if you so got Rabbi a Stein, uh, Rabbi Stein said a story about that, that when he first got married, he was doing all these things in the kitchen, and his wife said, well, you just traved up this, and you just traved up that. And he said, what do you mean? It's in the Shulchan Aruch that everything's okay. I'm you know, I'm going according to the Shulchan Aruch. But he learned that there's beyond that. You know? Yeah, you don't, yeah. It's a, no, there's public policy concerns and whatever, but fine. So, so um, you know, my wife at one point told me that she has to ask a different rub because I'm too makel and it makes her suspicious. Um, the, the, either way, so we have to, so yeah, so, and one of my congregants one time, I actually asked her something for them and they were very taken aback. They said, now we feel comfortable eating all those things you said were, were mutter. <laughs> um, yeah. So the point is, is that, so, so what happens if, if, if the exact same Shiloh comes up and you, and you Paskin on one? So to get into the, to get, so let's first dig into the first question. Why is this awesome? Rashi and Hulan, Rashi and Hulan brings that, and there's some other Rishonim who say like this, that and the the Ravid brings down an opinion like this, that the reason is because of Kavad is that there is a halacha of that you have to be Mechabed, a, a Rav. Now, I'm not going to go into the Shiloh of who's a Rav, but who's a Rav is a very, very important part of this question. The Shulchan Aruch has a couple of Sifim devoted to this, about what, what kind of person... Who is allowed to give psak? If somebody learned a Shulchan Aruch or learned Mishnah and learned it and knows it very well and memorized it and took four tests on it and tells you the halacha that's not called hira'a, that's not what we're talking about, that's not called psak. Psak is somebody who uh, has reached a certain level of what's called Magila hira'a. Now, in modern days, it's denoted kind of by getting smicha. But again, it, it's smicha, there are lots of smichas out there. Uh, really, it means somebody who learned from a Rebbe and learned in a structured environment, 
for a long time the halachas and was taught and given over and 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 given over um the Mesorah Psak and understands Psak and his Rebbe, who himself had to have been Hagia which is a recursive definition kind of, but but at some point when they established Smicha again after it was stopped, this became you know when when you're when your Rabbeim who themselves are Magila Hira, they confer upon you the title of uh Yaira Yaira, they 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 give you this this designation that you are Magia Lehira. That is Magia Ra. So yeah, so you're able to do Hira, which is why if you remember I gave a share about about uh AI and Psak. AI's Psak will never will will never have all of these halachas. Okay, fine. So the person who's Magila Hira, he gives you Psak wise and Asr. Rashi and Hulan says the reason is because of covered because of cover. The Raivet disagrees with this very strongly, and his opinion is echoed by the Rajba, both here and in Hulan and the Ramban and most other Rishinim, and they posit a very, very difficult concept. And what they say is that once a person says that the Khatikha is Asr, it is forbidden. It falls under the rubric of Shavya Anaf Shekhatikha di Surah, that it becomes for you a forbidden thing. It actually becomes Asr. So before we dig into the question of what does it mean, Shavya Naf Shekhatikha di Surah, I want to just point out one very, very simple consequence of this. So if let's say you are a glutton for punishment and you go to a Rav and he's matir something for you, and you want to know if you can go to another Rav and the Rav will say it's Asr. So according to the Allah, according to the understanding of Shavi Amnashi Khatikhadi Surah, it would seem that that would be mutter. We're going to see later that the Rahman Shokanarch seems to disagree with this, but in general, Taisfus Bayas over here says it very, very clearly. Taisfus says that over here, Chacham Shaasar and Khaveri Rashai Lahatir, Elim Ken Yachal Lehagzir, Mishikladas. Taisfis says, if your friend is matir, it's mutter to aser. Because Taisfis seems to follow the view of the Rashba and most others that the reasoning over here is because of Shavya Anafshi Chatikha de Yisura. So what is Shavya Anafshi Chatikha de Yisura? The concept is brought down for the first time in the Gemara, in Ksubis Chavbez, where the Gemara talks about a very difficult topic called Amsala, called Amasla. Amasla is where a woman says that she's a nida. This is very, very sadly. I've, I have been, I've gotten Shilas like this, and I've had Shemush when, when, when the Rav was asked Shilas like this. A woman told her husband she's usher, she's a nida, and then later she comes and says whether she was angry at him, whether because you know she was making a joke or whatever, and she goes, and then later she says that I was just kidding, I wasn't a nida. The halach and the Gemara says is she she was shavi and nashua she made herself aser she is now aser now the way to get out of it is a concept called a masla where there has to be a discussion how she can show that that she was joking it's not trivial I'm not I'm not getting into that topic but the principle is that a person has an ability to make something aser for themselves where does this ability come from. The Shita Mikubetas on Daftasing Subis, the Shita Mikubetas writes, it comes from the laws of Neder, of taking a vow. That just like one, by taking a vow, 
How does a vow work? A vow is not simply that you prohibit a certain action, activity, or pleasure upon yourself. But if you take an oath, take a vow not to eat or not to touch a certain item, the isser is not simply on the gavra, on the person. It's on the chafza with regards to the gavra. It's on the thing itself becomes a forbidden, becomes pork with relation to you. Einstein thought he invented relativity. We did. Um, I know it's not the same thing. I'm not trying to say it's the same thing. Wait, but good question. Very, very bad, Joe. Yeah, question. Um, isn't it Eidach and Nemen Beisurim, or it's not related? Okay. No, no. So that's Benny. That's a great point. So so Eidach and Nemen Beisurim is when you have, you, if you don't know if something is Mutter or and you have an Eidachot, and they come and tell you that it's Mutter, it's fine. If an Eidachot tells you something is Aser, could they then backtrack? So according, so be, be, let me, about it, Benny, I'm going to get back to this in one minute, okay? Because we're going to get into this in a second. However, the first approach says is that in that Eidachot is about saying if it's Aser Mutter, it's Eidos, Shavya Anav Sur is Neder. It's Neder. A nether is that is that there, there's an oath that makes it asa. The 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 Ktsais and the Nader Behuda disagree with this very strongly. They say it can't be that Shavya Shavya is Asr Mitam. Nether is forbidden with from the context of vows. The reason why is because we know that a woman is not allowed to take a vow that she will become forbidden to her husband. That's one of the things she can't do. Uh, similarly, a man, you know, there are there are certain vows he can't take. If, so, if so, how by her saying she's a nida, could she make herself aser because of shavya and abshechatikadi surah? If that's only aser because it's kind of her saying that I'm taking a vow that I'm making myself forbidden to him like a nida, it wouldn't work in the context of vows. The Lady Bihuda asks in addition that there, that if it's indeed a vow, we know with vows there's a principle of shela. That one is allowed to go to a bezdin and have a vow annulled. Yet, by Shavi Anafshe Chatich Isura, such a principle does not exist. <coughs> the Chsam, yeah, question? No, no, no. The Chsam Sofer says, wait, you misunderstand the, the Shita Bikubetzas. He's not trying to say that it's literally a vow. He's trying to say, similar to what the Mishnah, when talking about the laws of Hefker, the Mishnah says that there's a there's a possibility that Hefker is mitam neder, that there's a there's a there's a there, there's a debate if Hefker mitam neder that Hefker declaring something ownerless could work within neder. So the Chassam Sefer says there's a similar principle over here. We have a list of isurim in the Torah. There is a power through your speech to be able to extend a existing iser onto something that would have been possible to have that iser by nature. So if you have a woman who she's able to have the iser nida, she could extend the iser nida onto herself. Well, what is the engine of this? What is what what brings this power into the world? The parsha of Nadara. The parsha of Nadara is a parsha that teaches us that people have the ability to interact with iser. When something has absolutely no natural identity of Isser, and you want to create an identity of Isser, and the entire identity of Isser is only in existence because of your nether, 
then it falls under the laws of Nadarim and Shaykh for Sha'ila and all those principles. However, if it's something which is which is able to have an existing Isser relate to it, and you're just saying that yes, now it has that Isser, then that does not have those halachas of Nadar, but it's you're still able to extend that Isser onto this item to because of the principle of Nadar. That's Khsam Sofer. It's a very difficult concept. The Ktsaisa and the and the Nadi Bihuda want to posit a different approach. Very difficult approach. Their approach is, and this is similar to what Benny was saying about Irechad Naman Bi that it goes with the principle of Haidas Baldin Kimeya Aidimdam. Haidas Baldin Kimeya Dimdami is a principle that if I if 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 I go and I testify in court that I owe money to to, I'm not going to say to any one of you because I, I don't want to owe money in case this recording gets shared. But if I say that that that, that I owe money, right, then we say, you don't need witnesses. A, a, a confession is like a million witnesses. What happens if somebody retracts a confession? So there's a very difficult sugya about this. Because if you say that it has the power of a testimony, we know that if you have two witnesses who come and testify, then you have two witnesses who come and testify against them. There is a principle of tray you tray that we have two witnesses against two witnesses. It doesn't make a difference if it's a million witnesses against two witnesses. There, the the matter becomes a suffix. However, the Ktsais wants to say that by Yisurim, there's a principle of dummy. Your testimony makes it usar. This is a very difficult concept because normally Haidas Baldin works in the context of Bezdin. And normally by Yisurim, we have a principle of Pesha Asar, Hua Pesha Hitter, that if you are the one who made something Asar, you could be believed to make it permissible. But the Ktsais and the Yehuda understand that Eidos, and this is really kind of supported by the Rambam and Hilchos Yisodia Torah, when the Rambam talks about Adam, Adam is not simply trust. Adam, in some sense, create reality. The reason why Adus is such a powerful testimony in Bezdin, the Rambam writes, it's Kiyidiyas HaBezdin. It's the knowledge of Bezdin. It's Bezdin. It's, 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 it becomes fact. From the, in, in the world of Halacha, in the perspective of Halacha, the testimony makes it fact. Even though we know that objectively it may not be true. Using this power of 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 Eidos, the Ktsai says that's how Shavia and Nafshechatich Yisurah works. However, the Ktsai makes a very important caveat over here. He says since this is working from the powers of testimony of Eidos Baldin, it only works on something you own. You have to have been able to. You have to own it. You have to be a them, You have to be an owner on it. Only then could you make it asa. Otherwise, you have no power. However, if we go back now to our sugya, both of these explanations of are very difficult to understand. What happened in our sugya? You came to a Rav and you asked him for a Psaq. The Ravid says it's now, if he says it's Asr, it's Asr for you to eat this or bring it to somebody else because of The question is who? Who made it Asr? Did you make it usher by saying that 
I am going to follow whatever psak I'm given from this Rav. And in some sense, you are declaring the identity by, you know, treating the Rav's psak as, as you, know, you you are, you're, you're, you're saying the identity is what the Rav will paskin by, by bringing it to him. And then by his psak, it's kind of, he enters the value into this variable, which then is, is basically your utterance of what makes it usser. That's very difficult to understand because that's not but that also, Yeah. But also like you could theoretically ask for a psak that's something in the future. So that means that you're making something usser that doesn't exist yet. Right, exactly. That's, so that, that, that's a great point, Penny. You're, you're testifying in something which 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 isn't there. Also, you can make a psak, right? It's possible, it's possible to make a psak on 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 go to Rav, what if you say to him explicitly, um, I, you know, I am asking you, but and you tell yourself, I'm going to reserve the right to go ask other people. Will there be Shavya Nafshikatikadis to revere? It seems like there would, because the because nobody brings that heter. So it's very hard to understand. There are some Akhrain who want to say that that it's the Rav himself, that by him having the Koach Ha Hora'a, the Koach of Hora'a, gives him this power, that the power of Hira is not simply informative in nature, but he actually has a bylus, he has an ownership, he has a power to be able to establish the identity of an item. That is the koach of Hira. And in fact, they want to say that when the Torah says that, 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 that there is a iser of leisasur mikola shal yerucha, where there's a halacha that you have to listen to um, the Rabbanim in the Torah, if you understand that that halacha is a Isra Da'iraisa, like the Me'iri and the Ramban and others, they say that is the Din Da'iraisa, the Din Da'iraisa of Kichol Ashar Yerucha, the Din Da'iraisa, the halacha over there, is that you have to, is that, or it's not Stam, that there's a mitzvah on you to listen to a Rav. A person who shaykh l'hayra, and also we have a principle that you can't, a person can ask for something which doesn't belong to him. However, the if you come to him to be makabal his right? And if I go to you and officially, according to the Pesmerish Kavai of Lakewood, I am Magia Lahira, whatever. You can appeal that, but if you want. But, but I can't just walk into your house and say, listen, you know, Benny, I'm making your steak, Asr. You know, uh, and then you're like, oh man, right? You know, it doesn't work that way, right? If you come to me w- with a shaila and I paskin, theoretically, if you believe Lakewood, right? Then, then, then I have a koch to make to make it aser. So it's not simply that they have a magic ability to aser anything. In the process of hayra, the process of hayra, and we're going to see that this is not absolute, but when you paskin up the taira. And you person comes to be makabel your psak, or in the case of Amar the Asra, even if the person is not coming to you, they have the ability to make things usher, whether it's makoach neder or whether it's makoach hidas baldin, they become a bailam, they become, they have a power over the thing itself. It's a mind blowing concept, in my opinion. However, as we know, rabbis mess up. So, what do you do if? You go to another rabbi, you told him the story, and he said that he said that this rabbi was wrong. 
So Taisus over here says, "Bim Taimar v'chila Yishal achol achachamim v'yadainu zem zeulayashivu me midvar." Is it? Does it really mean that you can't go ask another rav and tell him that I got this psak? Maybe these other rabbanim can go back and and they could go convince this person he he was wrong. So Taisus and the other Rishayim, there's a machlekes about the nuance. But basically, it's it divides like this. There are two types of mistakes that a rav can make. One is called a toya bidvar mishnah, that he makes a mistake about explicit halacha. In the days when the Rishonim were writing, it was a gemara, it was a mishnah, it was a halacha psuka, it was something that was clear text that everybody accepts upon themselves as true. If you can find such a mistake, then the first person's hayrod doesn't count, doesn't work. Now you'll ask yourself, if it's within Neder or within Shavya Nafshe, what should it make a difference, what type of mistake it was? The reason is, is because it's not Hayra. Hayra has to be true. And true means it has to be done through the proper process of the Torah. Part of that is that it cannot contradict those things, those parts of the Torah that we accept as true. So therefore, a Tayyabit Varmishnah is not Hayra, it's not a Psak, and therefore it's not awesome. The second type of error is much more difficult. And that's called a Tayyamishikal Hadas. That the person made a mistake in judgment. Now the question is, what does this mean, a mistake in judgment? Taisvis says, Taisvis says, if somebody made, and, and it's brought out in Shokhanarch, this discussion, if if somebody makes a mistake in judgment such that you can't, they didn't make a logical error that you could show them through the laws of logic that, you know, A does not imply B. In such a case, it's called a Tayyabed Varmishnah, and it's not a Hira. The Hira is where you have two views, there's a Sugya, and there's no way to objectively say someone is wrong. It depends on the understanding of the Sugya. If you understand the Sugya this way, if you understand the Sugya that way, it depends on the understanding of the Sugya. So if the Rav, one Rav says, no, I learned the Sugya well, this is how I understand it, I believe this is the meaning, even if the other Rav, there's a Machlokas about this, but according to many opinions, even if the other Rav is bigger than him, in Chachma and Minyan, if, as long as there's no objective way of saying he's wrong, the Allah is, is that it's Shagya Naf Now what happens if the Rav himself goes back? So there are some opinions that if it's a if it's if it's Adas, it doesn't make a difference. He can't go back on his own psat unless he has an explicit, clear way of shay of saying why he was wrong. The Arach Hashulchan writes that many of these things are no longer relevant to us. He says that these days we have such a strong Mesorah with Shochanarach and Shachs and Tazas and everything is that almost almost all cases where you disprove somebody, it's because, yeah, you didn't see the Magad Avram, you didn't see the Taz, you didn't see this, you didn't see that, and that's all Taya B'dvar Mishnah. So Taya B'shikah Adas really comes up very, very infrequently. Most of oh, these days are paskening from Shulchan Aruch, or paskening from Mr. Bura, or paskening from something. So if another Rav says that they're wrong because they forgot the other Mr. Bura, or they forgot this or forgot that, that's Taya B'shikah Adas. Sorry, that's Taya B'dvar Mishnah. However, in the case where a person was really Taya B'shikla Das, 
And one Rav says, no, I don't agree with him how he learned the sugya, but you but you learned the sugya well and you feel that this is the right psak, and the Rav has to be listened to. Just to end off, this is a very important glimpse in how halacha works. Halacha is not, and I've said this, and it's a controversial statement, but I think it's clear. We know that there's a principle of that there's a concept that halacha in some sense is both objective and subjective. In the sense that you as the dayan, as the rav, have to be being mevakish objective MS. You, there's no such thing if there's a uh, rabbinic way, rabbinic will, there's a halachic way. No, you have to be mevakish to MS and try to get to the truth. But as long as your opinions are coming from this journey, from this effort, and you are somebody who is uh, uh, who, who has studied enough and been taught enough and understand enough that your mistakes are considered to be educated ones and you could be trusted to really go on this journey correctly, then your halacha is valid, even if Klafa Shmaya Gali you're wrong. All right, we're going to stop here and then next week we're going to continue with the next part of the Gemara, what to do in case of Machlekes. Yes, I just wanted to say that my memories, my memory of being in New York in, uh, you know, the last few years before I came here, we used to call this not rabbi shopping, we used to call this heter shopping. And it was, and my my memories are that this was extremely frowned upon. Yeah. That if you were no. going to go opinion, you better really have a case because the rabbi would just throw you out of his office. You said, you know, you came from a rep so-and-so and he said X. And I'm wondering if there's a, a possibility of why uh, he would he would be upset for the honor of the of the first uh, rabbi yeah. who. Right. So, so, so that's a great point, Zev. I uh, I didn't get to mention this. The Ramah says that if let's say that if let's say your rab gave you a heter, even though Taisva says in case of a heter, you could ask somebody else, and they could answer. The Ramah says that in case of a heter, we're somebody was matir for you, um, in such a case, if you already followed the hatter. So for example, they said, this piece of meat is kosher, and you went and you put this piece of meat in the chalant, then it's considered to be wrong for another rough to aser. The implication is because of kavod. That it's considered to be wrong that once you are, once the horah was chal, it's called, you have to follow the opinion of the rav, that there is a prince that, that, that even though the the main reason is because of shavya nafsheh, there's also the reason of Kavadarab. And I'm sorry, I didn't get to the final question about what happens if the Shaila comes up again later. The Achronim, the Shach, the others, they all poskin that it's only relevant to this piece of meat. So if you ask the Rav about one specific Shaila, specific case, and you got a Psach, you're allowed to go ask a different Rav if the case comes up again. It's only because of this case specifically, because again, the driving reason is Shaiva and Nafshekhatikhadi Surah. That applies to this specific uh, piece. All right. We'll stop here, everybody. I hope to see everybody in person next week. And uh, stay safe and stay dry. Okay. All the best. Be well. Oh, yeah.